Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Andrew Glukov with you here as this is our this is our big this is our big thing, man. This is the 2021 Gasparillable preview show. We have got a loaded show for you here. Obviously, we're going to touch on basketball a little bit, but that will be towards the end. Folks, you want to get ready for this game. We want to get ready for this game. This is what we're talking about. Okay, so, um, but uh, it, this is what we got. We're going to break this thing down. We're going to have predictions later on, but this is this is all bowl time, baby. Here we go. So, uh, uh, so Elo, Drew, good to see you guys. I'm back in my office for the first time in like four months because I can actually handle sitting up, which is great. Um, and here we are just in time for this, uh, for this bowl game. It's eight and four UCF against six and six Florida latest line on DraftKings has UCF as a seven point underdog on odd shark. Uh, according to odd shark, 54% of the money is on UCF to cover the seven. 95% of the money is on, is on over the 55 and a half. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, kickoff set for 7 p.m. on Thursday at Raymond James. It's going to be packed. They're, they're actually opening up even more seats now for UCF fans, which is pretty cool. I think this thing is going to be a sellout. And uh, as I talked about with Mark Rogers uh, on his show the other day, um, this, is, this is the best bowl matchup outside of the major bowls. I think it is, Eric. And uh, and here we are. I mean, this is, but outside of the matchup, you know, what's the what's the plan for UCF? What's the what's what are the big things that you are going to be following here in this game? I, I want to see how you know. I, I've talked to Kyle Israel and Trey Neal, which you could read at blackagobanneret.com. The trenches, right? We could talk all fancy about skill position. The trenches. I think we're going to learn about UCF's line of play, line of scrimmage, especially the offensive line, and how they match up against an SEC front like florida that's going to tell the story in this game because ucf is going to have to run the football i think and have balance to have it to win this game which i think they can they have the advantage they're the more they're the motivated team this game means more to them florida this game this means nothing to florida uh because what's going to happen is after this game on friday it'll be the billy napier era in florida so to me yeah the second that whistle blows is the billy napier era Correct. So UCF needs this game more, uh, which I'm going to give Drew credit. Drew mentioned this when the bowl matchup came out, right? Drew, this is a game for UCF where you learn a lot about what you have internally. And it's starting in the line of scrimmage 
against a team like Florida. And I think that's the thing that I'm looking forward to seeing when this two, uh, in this matchup. I got to disagree on the motivation aspect. Uh, these, you know, you you have to look at on two fronts. You have to look on the on the coaching front. You have to look on on the player front. You know, you have a new coaching staff coming coming in. These players are auditioning. They're 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 playing for a potential starting spot and playing time because you've got a whole new set of evaluators. They're going to be sitting there. They're taking so, notes. Some of them are. Well, the the ones that are still there, I, I'm going to say the majority of them are going to stay. Uh, I mean, the starting quarterback ain't. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, well, and we'll get to that on Emory Jones well, in a second, but go ahead. I'm going to say he's probably the most motivated person there, but we'll, we'll come That's to that fair. When, when Jeff's ready. On on the coaching side, you know, I, I wrote in, in, in the storylines, there's two train, trains of thought here. You know, uh, there are not all the positions have been hired. There's potential for some coaches to actually be retained. Uh, this Those coaches – they're going to want to prove their worth. And, and so you can't mail it in. However, some are already, at least two of them have been lined up to be replaced. Their jobs are gone. Right. So those are either playing to, or coaching towards the next job or yeah, they, they could easily mail that in. However, I think on the whole, Florida's going to be motivated. Uh, the last, you know, a lot of these players, they're former teammates of, UCF players. They know each other. They played against each other. Uh, the last thing they want is the bragging rights that come with it, because it's not like, you know, the peach bowl with Auburn, it's a different state. There's no real connections between the teams. Uh, the players on both of these sides have personal connections. There's more to this game. It's like, it's like when UCF plays USF and you, know, you go beyond just the two schools, not liking each other. You're looking at the players themselves and the personal relationships. Uh, they may be friends in real life, but on the field, they're they're doing battle against each other. There, there's some there, there's you know room for trash talk and gloating on the line. And the last thing Gator players are going to want is the guys that they know at UCF gloating on them for years because it's going to be another until 2024 well, except for those that again. except for those are going to bail afterwards and get into the portal i don't think they care well, i think even they're that. more well no that. well no, i here's, even here's where I, I those guys i think are particularly motivated because uh, we talked about this and this is where we'll get to emory jones the starting quarterback for florida this season is uh he's it has been reported he will enter the transfer portal but unusually <laughs> after the game all right weird. yeah it's uh, yeah, it, it's so our thought initially was like, oh, he's not even going to play. No, he is going to play. So he's using this game as an audition for himself, like you were saying, Drew, for yeah. whoever else is going to. It, Someone is, argues. It, so he, some so this some, is, pe- some this people is, are speculating he's, not, he's auditioning for the uh, the opposite sideline, some would argue. Well, well, he flat out said he would play anywhere. So it, right. it could it could it be UCF? Absolutely. UCF is well, looking for a transfer and, quarterback. And Gus, Gus did say this week in media availability that he recruited Emory Jones because Emory Jones, I think, was a half hour away from Auburn. So there is familiarity there. So we could, guys, be seen the next starting quarterback for UCF in 2022 on the field. We just don't know which quarterback. I mean, it's very, I mean, obviously that's, it's, <laughs> we're, we're, we're playing the speculation, yeah. game, but, but what we know is true. Emory Jones said after the game, he's entering the portal and he's using this bowl game as a chance for teams to watch him. Remember, you know, yeah, all the other games, in the regular season were available people. Now they know he's transferring. 
that's the only game on television. The a lot of college teams that are now looking for a quarterback, a transfer, are going to be watching this game very closely. Uh, he's going to be very motivated. So you know, mind you, he's not, not just motivated. Thing is, yeah. I view that as complete bull crap across the board. I was at the Peach Bowl. I talked to Carry On Johnson. He was extremely motivated. This motivation. Oh, thing he might have been. Excuse- Doesn't mean that, but, it, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. You guys assume everybody is, and that's not the case. Like I was at the Cure Bowl. UCF wasn't motivated for that game. They didn't want to be there. Arkansas State was the more motivated and unified motivated team. There's a difference. Well, there's there's between personal, that, uni- personal correct. and team, and you are correct. absolutely right on that. However, that becomes a failure on the coaching staff. Correct. Uh, to to be able to keep your team, you know, if if you guys don't want to be there, why are you there? But these are human nature. These are eighteen to twenty-two year olds. They're not professionals, and I think we keep forgetting I, that. I, no, I, I think you're. I think you're thinking, Eric, way too much in terms of the fans. Maybe I was at. No, no, I was at. Let me tell you something. Now, let me tell you something. The the thing that I know. The thing I you know. Listen, I I fully admit I've never played it down football in my life. But but there's one thing that I know at having talked to guys who have, is that all these questions of motivation. Go out the second. Go out the door the second you get hit in the mouth. Let me ask you this: You think UCF players are just as excited when they play Charleston Southern than they are when they play Florida? The second they get hit, yeah, I, I think so. big difference. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay, once the game, yeah, once the game starts into game mode when the game I dis- starts. I, I yes, but there's a different in motivation. There's a different in energy level. There, we, how many times we talked about? Boy, that team looked flat. They really looked flat. They didn't look like they were invested. They didn't. But that that but happens. That's you, human okay, nature. But, we, you, you're, but you're not talking about motivation. What you're talking about is preparation. There's right. And that's part of it. And that's what shows. And that, it, but it, 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 it kind of bleeds into not, the game. Uh, te- teams, the teams, game. teams can be motivated and unprepared. We see that all the time. Well, I, I think you see that. But, it's but, a I think we, but I think we have to be clear about what we're talking about. Are we talking about teams that are prepared or motivated? Here's, here's the I bottom think line. Preparation, well, not motivation. To, to Eric's defense on this, um, they, they're, there are connections between motivation and preparation. A lack of motivation leads oh, to sure. a lack yeah. of preparation. However, when the first hit happens, you're not thinking about that. You aren't. Yeah. Oh, uh, I agree. The this, last thing that, that crosses my mind. But at that I, point, it's too to late. Play at that point, it's too late. That, right. I didn't pay. I don't. I didn't even pay attention to really who was in front of me, other than the fact that there's a guy in front of me, and it's my job to block him. And yeah. and you know you you kind of you kind of. You know, I remember um, at the end of the East Carolina game, it was asked of Mark Anthony Richards, you know, uh, how did it feel to, to score the, the touchdown with the crowd and everything? He goes, to be honest, I didn't even notice. You tune yeah. all these other things out. It becomes completely superficial. All this other stuff, the noise. Eventually, when you're on the field and, and you're playing, all your, all your focus is on that moment. And all the other stuff is just background noise that you, you really aren't paying attention to. And, and one other thing too, Drew, and I and I think this is, this also plays into it is is sort of like a three legged stool: preparation, motivation, and talent, right? So if you're you know if you don't prepare, but you're talented, that ta- depending on how much talent you have, that can make up for some of that lack of preparation, depending upon the opponent that you're playing. I don't agree I with that. that. I I don't but, think the okay, gap but you, is that okay, but big. you were but you were asking, but Eric, you were asking you you brought up the Peach Bowl, right? Actually, I brought and up the Cure Bowl. As I brought okay, the, okay, the Cure. No, you. Oh, that's right, Drew. You brought up, but let's talk about the Cure Bowl 
for a second. I know it's easy. Eric, Eric and I get mixed up all the time. Well, it happens I, a I, lot. UCF, it happens listen, UCF, was, <laughs> UCF was talented, as we know, but I don't think they were prepared as well as Arkansas State was. In that. Right, because they didn't give a crap about the game. Period. I don't know. I don't we, think, I don't we think can, that's fair. We can, we can sugarcoat it all you want, but they're, they showed it on how they behaved. They didn't show up to any of the functions at the Cure Bowl. They they blew it off. They treated like, eh, whatever, we're here, whatever. Well, I think part of the problem is it was in Orlando. They, it was, yeah, they treated agreed. like a home game. Exactly. Without, without, without yeah. really the, the home benefits. I, so, I so think the if that game was played that anywhere is- else, I think that game was played anywhere else, that would not have been an issue. I think that specifically was – you know, this would be like Florida playing in Gainesville for a bowl game. I, you know, in, in compare, in fair comparison. Don't give them any ideas, please. Uh, well, I mean, who, who puts a bowl game in the middle of nowhere? I mean, you might well, well, I mean, there's bowl games in Shreveport. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, let's be real here. But, uh, but I mean, the question is, you know, is is Florida prepared for this game? We don't know. And I mean, that's the, are that's they the mystery. Taking, and are the mystery. they taking, you know, and is UCF prepared? For, I think UCF is well prepared for this game personally. But um, the question, and then the other question is if they're prepared, you know, are they prepared enough that their talent wins the day? Because well, let's, let's face talk it, this, about that. Let's, let's be real. That's, that, that's an SEC roster. Okay. Well, I don't let's care talk that they're six that. and six. That's, that's, a, that's a good football team over there. Florida, ahead, Drew, since sorry. the end of the season, so after the Florida State game, has lost a half dozen players to the transfer portal, including their top wide receiver in Jacob Copeland and, and Muhammad, uh, I think it's pronounced Diabati, uh, who is their leading tackler, have both left through the transfer portal. Um, so while you have talent that comes up, these these guys who are coming in aren't starters and and they have a, you know they have to step up. So you're you're having a talent shift there. So then you have to actually compensate it with more preparation because now you also have a chemistry issue, you know, because you have to develop the timing, you know, uh, the, you know, the receivers all have different speeds and different strengths and, and, and weaknesses that Emory Jones is going to have to work with. And also the fact that it's only going to be Emory Jones, uh, you know, he's going to be the only guy behind center for, for Florida, uh, Anthony yeah, Richardson obviously out with a, a knee injury, and mm-hmm. I believe he had some surgery done to clean up a, a meniscus problem, but he's out. So, you know, talent takes a hit. You actually have to compensate it with the preparation. You have motivation, at least in your key players, because think about the guys who are coming in too. Those guys are hungry. They didn't get a chance to start. Now they're a starter and they're there. So they're going to want to do that much more to prove their worth. I, mm-hmm. This is an audition for everybody on, well, it's on, an the audition on both sides. It's an audition on both sides of the team. I mean, it's not like UCF's the healthiest team in the history of college football either. I mean, they're getting some guys back, but they're also probably, you know, and listening to Gus this week on the presser, it doesn't sound like they're going to get everybody back. In particular, I think Jalen Robinson's out from with all indications that we won't know until kickoff, as we know, but this is. You know, UCF, I mean, Gus well, mentioned UCF has played without him for much of the season anyway. So, right, but that UCF's hurts. Played but that with hurts. The season. But and, that hurts. And, you know, any, any hit hurts. Yeah. Uh, some hit harder than others. And you look at the, at the players that UCF has lost at the end of the season in the transfer portal, they've lost, um, was it half a, a dozen guys themselves? However, none of them were starters. 
I mean, you yeah. just, oh, Dylan Gabriel start. Dylan Gabriel hasn't played since game three. So none of them are actually starting. So you're losing depth, which, yeah. you know, hurts on a larger scale, but on a, on a micro scale, which is a singular game, not quite as much. So, I mean, Florida is definitely taking a nastier hit on the talent level uh, when it comes to, you know, the transfer portal, at least now. Uh, so I, that'll affect this game. Drew, I want to ask you about Florida on defense, because this, I think that's going to be the key matchup here is what does you, what is UCF's offense able to do? We've had three extra weeks of practice. Okay. Key, especially with a true freshman quarterback, Mikey Keene back there. All right. Flo- uh, looking at the rankings right now, Florida, the one weakness I see right now for Florida is their rush defense. They're 71st in the country. 155 yards a game given up. This is a, uh, this is a real good, or excuse me. No, that's wrong. Uh, they are 70th in the country, 153 yards given up. So, it, it, and this, by the way, they are, Florida is the number 10 total offense team in the country, despite their six and six record. But, um, but to me that if you're going to hit them where they're weakest, that's the weakest point. And if you're Gus, that kind of bodes well for you, doesn't it? it? It matches up very favorably. You know, I always talk about you have to be a little concerned when you're leading tacklers or defensive backs. Uh, their second and third leading tacklers who are still there are defensive backs. Yeah. You got Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean. They're both defensive backs, and they're number two and number three in tackles. Uh, that's always a sign of concern. Uh, you know, obviously you had a, a linebacker and, and, and the body uh, – as the first guy. Right. But, you know, they were all actually very close in, in tackles. Uh, so this actually bodes very well. It means UCF's running game can get to the second level. But then the, you have to actually shift it back to the offensive line, who has had a lot of struggles this year, more so than expected going into this year. Uh, it's, a, it's an older it's – a, it's a senior-laden group. And, uh, you know, there was very high expectations. And while there were dealing with injuries, I mean – uh, Matthew Lee missed quite a bit of time, was taking out multiple yep. games at halftime. Another Louisville casualty, by the way. An- another Louisville casualty that just never quite got back to 100%. And, and you know, now he's had a chance to rest up. You have uh, Cole Schneider, who's been the Mr. Versatile and um, has moved in uh, to into center when he had to, to, to cover for it. Uh, but this is a, a, an offensive line that has struggled at times and has uh, allowed – the running game at times where they need it to, to not get what they, you know, to flounder a bit. And it hurt, you know, lightning type players like a trillion Coles and a Johnny Richardson who are not big bruisers who, who really don't make their own holes, which is why it's so important that UCF is going to have to establish with Isaiah Bowser and Mark Anti Richards who are harder hitting running backs who can make their own holes. Uh, you're going to have to. Uh, ride that run. And if the offensive line can't hold it together on the passing game, you know, we saw Mikey Keen was running for his life at the end of the year. And that impacted him badly in the second half against South Florida. I mean, uh, five completions, 15 yards. Uh, But part of the problem was he was constantly running. He had the protection was Swiss cheats. Uh, You can't have that against a team that's way more talented than, than South Florida in, in the Gators. So that, that te- the, the, the offensive line, you know, you got, you had a couple of weeks to heal up, but they're going to have to play an outstanding game 
and really tighten up in order to make things happen. That was, uh, so I'm glad you touched upon Isaiah Bowser. So, so he is available to play. Cause I know the last few games, it's been an emergency only situation, right? So he's, he's been practicing. You know, yeah, Gus said Gus said this week uh, he should be good to uh, to go. Like I said, okay. get most of it. By the way, I want to throw out. You mentioned the offensive stats for Florida. Throw that out. It throw it out because the coach that was calling the plays is no longer there. And I think that's something we forget. Dan Mullen's not there, and Dan Mullen's one of the better play callers in college football. That's what he's known for, uh, and that's what makes this very tricky because. This staff, you've only really have, what, one game of film with this current staff for Florida? It was the Florida State game. And, you know, and Kyle, if you know, if you read our article with Kyle Israel, it's one on uh, Q&A, that's one of the concerns he has. There's limited film on Florida with this staff. Now, yes, they've been there all year, and they're probably going to do some same tendencies. However, as we've seen this in the past in bowl games, a lot of times teams will come out with completely different looks that maybe yeah. a team hasn't seen on film all year. And that might happen, especially if you're an interim coach, you got nothing to, you know, Hey, let's just try some stuff differently for this bowl game. Right. Let's try something different. That's well, kind of the concern yeah. I would have. And that's what I, happened you know what I was thinking back. Florida, you know, yeah. on defense, you know, you, the defensive coordinator gets canned a you know, week before the game and you, and you have a dual defensive coordinator system uh, that is able to throw wrinkles because yeah, they knew what was coming with Adam on offense and they were able to hide what they were doing on defense and, and coach Malzahn flat out said, yeah, we, we had no idea what they were bringing and, and they fooled us. We struggled to, to adapt to it. Uh, so, right. I, but the thing is, I, I've actually heard him say that more than once during the year. And, and to the point where it's a little concerning where they, if the coach on the, if the defensive coaches throw a curveball. Uh, they've struggled to really come around. However, however, in, in this particular game, the defensive coaches really haven't changed. Uh, you know, their setup it hasn't changed. So at least from, from UCF's offensive standpoint, they know what they're going into. You know, well, they're I, you not going to change it, a fundamental change, you know, right at the very end of the year. It's not going to work. Well, I don't, I don't think that it's a concern with it in terms of Gus's staff in particular. I think that that's one of those things where, you know, your on-field leadership has to kind of, has to kind of take over in that respect. Yeah. Like Trey Neal, um, Eric, who you spoke to again, remember he, we had that discussion with him about 2017 and he said that in the championship game against Memphis, the second time around, yep. they were expecting one thing and they, and they ran a completely different offensive scheme than what they were, than what they were expecting. So, that that comes down to your that comes down to your leadership, right? Your on are is your are your on field players recognizing those things and saying, "Hey, this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. This is how we're going to have to adjust to this." I think that's where that's where that comes in. So so the question is, where does your on field experience play into that? Because the coaches can't, you know, they got way too much stuff going on as it is. It's the players who have to make those adjustments. Well, I think it's both. It's it's both on that because obviously the players they see what's in front of them. But the coaches see the bigger picture, you know, uh, you know, there there's assistant coaches upstairs watching this stuff. So they can see the formation on a, on a grander scale, but the players can't see. They can only see what's in front of them and right. what's around them. So, so they can't see across the field necessarily. And, and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult in the heat of the moment to convey a lot of information. Uh, usually that happens more after drives and they get to huddle up and actually talk about things. But it's the coaching staff upstairs that's going to have to recognize these things 
and communicate down so that in between drives, they can say, hey, this is what we saw. This is what they're doing. Okay, here's how we're going to change it up. But, yeah. it's, it, but it comes back to the on-field leadership <laughs> to execute it and make I, I sure that the other players are executing it. I come back to that Mike Tyson quote, right? Right, Drew? Everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Oh, yeah. Kind well, of like, uh, my favorite quotes. Kind of like motivation. You know, you're not motivated until <laughs> someone smacks you in the face. Well, until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> well, and that goes it goes back to the you know the quarterback matchup. Emory Jones obviously could be in the portal after this game, and then you got Mikey Keene, who's the the incumbent, uh, and, and has something to prove. Right. I mean, yeah, everybody's trying has to has something to prove. Right. Well, he's people is trying to take his job away, and uh, obviously this will be the last yeah. game for the quarterback. You know, Keene is on the staff. He's going to be a head coach, but you know, I think this is a game for Mikey Keene that you can make your, you can make a last statement here to your coaches. And to the meet fans, like, and leave on a good note because they're probably going to add a quarterback this offseason just because you need one for depth purposes. But the tone will be set based on how he performs this game. And to your point, like, how does he see the Florida defense? What you're saying, Jeff, if Florida gives him different looks, can Mikey King figure that out quickly yeah. enough? You know, and I think that's going to be some of the keys in this game for both sides. I think Florida is familiar more with what Gus's staff does from their SEC days than I think even Gus's staff is with this Florida staff because of all the changes that's happened at Florida. I yeah. think as far as uh, Mikey Keene and, and and for next year, I, I don't think this game really matters all that much. I really don't. Um, bowl games, remember, bowl games are exhibition games. They really are. Uh, they, they've always been that way. And outside of basically you're going for a national title, it's an it's an exhibition game. It really doesn't count for anything outside of players get a chance to do something and and fans get something to gloat or or hang their head in shame about. Uh, um, it's gonna look at what happened with Mackenzie Milton in 2016. I mean, he was terrible at the curable, just dreadful. But yeah, that, that, that didn't. But I mean, you, you have to use because it's a great example. Um, you know, flash forward. He in, into he's still the starter. In the, going into 2017, it's all about the off-season development in the spring ball. I think it spring is. ball is. is going to be really worth underrated because because a trend because remember a transfer is going to be in camp uh, for spring. Uh, you know, early maybe over, or, no, we don't know yet. Should be. Let me phrase it. Should be. Should be. Because uh, I mean, at that point, if you don't have a guy in for spring ball and you're expecting to be kind of a veteran presence, it's going to be really difficult to catch up to that. You're it all, can happen, you're, but it's right. difficult. All I mean, of that Joey is Gatewood came in late, very uh, late. but he never, he never played a, uh, a, a, a real big part of the passing offense. He was more of a, uh, of a, of a gimmick player. He was there to run the ball. Now that's more what he was cat. there for. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's not to, to, to hit on, you know, to, to, to hit on the work that he did, but you knew when he came on the field, he was going to run the ball. Um, his, his passing never, never really worked. However, uh, you know, we, you know, you got Parker Navarro still there. You got Tommy Castellanos coming in, which uh, I'll be honest, I hope he doesn't play more than the red shirt amount. Uh, oh boy, I, I know. <laughs> but remember, remember, if that's the case, it means that Keen's doing well because you play the best player, or whoever comes in is playing well because you play the best players that give you the chance to win. So I hope that Castellanos does not have to play more than four games because that means. Someone else is doing better. 
Hopefully, yeah, that, at least in well, theory. That's in theory. That's far. That's far afield right now. I, I, I will I point about, out. I, I will. I, well, you're everything you said there is true about Mikey Keene and the bowl game relevance and and comparing it to McKenzie's Akron. The one big difference, McKenzie, there was expectations for him to play well against Arkansas State, and he didn't, and that's what caused a lot of the you know negativity, if you will. The difference is. I don't think there's high expectations for Mikey Keene against this Florida defense going into this game. So I actually think it's more nothing to lose for Mikey Keene. If he plays well against Florida, that's a confidence booster for the fan base, for the players, for the staff. Like, hey, he played well against that floor, an SEC defense. That's a fair that point. gives you confidence. That's the big difference. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all if he struggles, to your point, because it is about the spring and he's got to improve and all that. But I do think that if he plays well against Florida, that's a positive going into the spring, carry some of that uh, optimism and, you know, and confidence going in. Absolutely. And, you know, absolutely right. And, you know, talking to, to, to Mikey, I remember hearing him after the South Florida game, talking about how the game's slowing down for him, you know, look at the last uh, four games, zero interceptions. Yeah. You know, the first uh, half of the season that he played, he threw a pick in every game. He hasn't thrown a pick, you know, last, in the last, last five four. games of the season, 10 five touchdowns, games. one interception. Yeah, well, one interception. I mean, come that that says a lot. And that one interception, yeah, it was a it was a bad one that turned into a gift. But you know, you're gonna have some bad throws every now and then. But you know, each time he's getting better, he's getting smarter. The game's slowing down for him. You know, normally true freshmen are not meant to be put out on the field. It's it's and and you saw it with Milton, you saw it here. You know, a lot of them struggle. Uh, even Jeff Godfrey. Uh, Godfrey used his athleticism more than anything else to compensate for for his you know for his youth. You know, he had that athletic ability to 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 overcome some of the uh, the youthfulness as a quarterback. Uh, you know, Keen and and Milton obviously not as physically athletic as as Godfrey was, but you know that's quarterback it's quarterbacking for you and and you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna grow usually you're not on the field to make those mistakes but we're we're seeing we're seeing growth in real time and and it's you see it each game look at the box score uh and you know outside of that second half against usf where the offensive line you know just could not stop the pass rush and you know, yeah, that hurts his his box score numbers, but he could have he he avoided sacks, he he avoided interceptions. Yeah, he threw the ball away a lot, but that's what a smarter quarterback does. You have to work with what's given to you, and and you know if you're given nothing, it's better that he caused a punt and allow your defense to 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 make him force a mistake than to create a mistake yourself. Unless you're pumping three and outs out constantly. That's the other thing that you got to try and keep the, I, I think that one of the keys here is going to be trying to keep the defense off the field as much as you can. But one thing, the one thing, last thing I want to talk about before we go to break here, one other weak spot, I think that UCF can exploit and the trap and this has to do with Travis Williams's defense. Florida turned the ball over an awful lot this year. Uh, they were uh, 121st in the country in uh, turnover margin, and they were also and they were also a really sloppy team in terms of penalties. 122, 122nd in the country in penalties, eight per game. Um, you know, UCF on the other side uh, was pretty disciplined with the football. Uh, it, it, it turnover margin was tied for 29th in the country. So 
this is one of the this does feel like one of those things where if you if you catch a break early, force a turnover, then the ball starts rolling a little bit. Florida starts committing some dumb penalties. This thing could the, the momentum could pick up a little bit. No, Drew. Absolutely. Uh, something to keep in mind. Obviously, defensive backfield was much maligned in 2020. A lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. And it's taken time for them to really buy into and, and, and assimilate into the, the Travis Williams defensive philosophy. But as the season's worn off, the defensive backfield has gotten stronger and stronger. And, and they, you know, I've read articles written by um, Florida fans or um, various writers who are more affiliated with Florida and they're concerned about the defensive backfield of UCF and the fact of, hey, they've gotten really good. They're pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Devontae Brown is is has exploded as oh, one of the Devontae more. Devontae Brown's been so good this year. Is, is, oh my yeah, gosh. he is one of the is a as a shutdown corner. I mean, he's causing you know turnovers. He's he's knocking the ball away and he's creating all sorts of havoc in the passing lanes. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, Corey Thornton has been around and is still doing things. I mean, you're seeing players uh, really rise up. And, and what it came down to is they all said it. Uh, you, you know, T-Will had uh, a defensive philosophy and plan, and it just, it just took them time to, to really grow into it. And now that they've, they're in full buy-in mode, they've, they've, they've acclimated to it, you're seeing the results. Uh, you know, outside of Cincinnati and SMU, uh, which, you know, was, was different issues. Teams aren't scoring on UCF. They aren't. Yeah. They're, they're, they're way, you know, yeah, East Carolina you know, was way below their, their season average and they still had a starting quarterback. Obviously Memphis did not have their starting quarterback. Uh, the defense is doing their job and they're doing their job. Well, it's six of the-, the offense. Yeah, six of the last of UCF's last eight games, they have held their opponent to 17 points or less. You should be able to win every one of those games right. if you can hold a team to 17 points. Right. And and they have. And they have in these last in these last Sounds like uh, you like the under there. That's games. what it sounds so, like to me. Interesting. That, that, I don't know. I, I, I'm going with the under. Uh, I'm definitely going with the under on that. <laughs> All right. So uh t- TV crew, Eric, do we have yeah, it's West Durham, West Durham, and uh, I believe Rowdy Jones. I want to say is Rowdy the, Jones. Yeah, I believe that's the cool, the, the crew there okay. for the. Uh, Unfortunately, UCF does not have the Phil Pot uh, luck this time around. No, 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 Roy and Kelly this time around. We tried. We really did try. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. Stick around. Black and Gold Banner Podcast is back after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff, Eric, and Drew once again joining us. Uh, just a couple of uh, housekeeping items that we want to keep in mind here. Men's basketball, seven and two. We're recording this on Wednesday. 
so by the time you hear this, they will have play, likely have played North Alabama uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And then that that's their that they got a six days off until Michigan at home. So uh, really excited for that one. Bummer about the cancellation of Florida State, though, Eric Lopez. But uh, COVID once again. Not well, this good, is going to be this is going to be a problem in college basketball. I have a feeling for the next month or two. Plus, it hurts UCF from a resume standpoint. And I know a lot of people are getting caught up in the net rankings this early, but you want to have a Florida State on your resume, even if you don't beat a Florida State, an, an ACC team having a quality game. Yeah. Because you look at the American outside of Houston, the league's been a disappointment. Uh, it seems like every team has kind of lost some games that you kind of shake your head. I think the America is like the eighth rated conference right now. So there's not a lot of opportunities in the league to get resume wins. Florida state could have been that for UCF. Now it's all about the Michigan game. And uh, to be honest with you, I think it diminishes the chances of UCF making the NCAA tournament. I think there's a very, very thin room for air for UCF to make the NCAA tournament as a result of losing that Florida state game. It's going to be about that Michigan game. That's going to be huge if they can get that game from a resume standpoint. But Michigan's kind of been up and down as well. It's been a weird year. And then I don't even want to get into the conference play because will the league stick to what Mike Oresco said in the offseason, that they will not reschedule games, that they will have forfeits like the Big East has been doing if games don't get played because a team has an outbreak? That's a very, it's a very um, questionable thing. You know, Florida State ranked 78th currently in the in the net rankings. Michigan, 37th. UCF sitting in the middle at 49. Uh, they needed that. They needed that that game against Florida State, uh, just just as you said to to help pad that resume. Uh, but it, it all comes out that Michigan game is going to be huge. You know, you yeah. lose that, you you're you're you know they're not going to really have uh, a top matchup outside of the conference at all. I mean, you know, you've got a couple of good teams in conference and, and that's about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, we've always said, and it was always more apparent in college football, but it works really in any college sport. The out of conference is what seg- what separates your conference from ever for the other conference. And if you, if you guys, if you're, if your teams and your team, as well as your conference mates don't win those out of conference games, it hurts everybody. Yeah, you know, come tournament time. Any chance, Eric, of a reschedule or an, a replacement opponent? It's going to be hard because once you get in, as we get to conference play, it's harder to reschedule games at basketball. And you know, I was talking to somebody who works in college basketball. The way the schools this year, the way the team scheduled this year, it was kind of back to normal type of scheduling. It wasn't like last year where there was these big breaks and you can maneuver some things. Now, I do know John Rothstein, who's obviously an insider in college basketball, has reported uh, this week that some conferences are kind of looking over once again their, their rules there as far as – because there's a lot of controversy over the Big East, for example, and they're forfeiting. Like Seton Hall's forfeited a game. I think they've won a game via forfeit. And that's going to make things complicated from the committee standpoint. How do you what do you how do you evaluate that? Do you give that any credence? Do you not? So does it count as a loss or does it count as a no contest or right, something like that? Right. 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 And so the problem with UCF is what are, the odds of finding somebody at Florida State's level is very difficult because you don't just schedule a game for the sake of scheduling because you could actually hurt yourself if you play a bad team in the schedule. So I don't know. We haven't as of this recording, uh, we haven't heard that. Uh, we'll see if they can make something up down the road, but it has to be smart scheduling. You don't just schedule a team for the sake of scheduling. It has to help yeah. your resume. 
Right. And yeah. not only that, but, you know, when you get into conference play uh, right now, the American has five teams uh, worse than 100 in the net rankings. In fact, they're close to 200 oh, yeah. or worse. Yeah, that's uh, the concern. Yeah. East it's Carolina at 193, and it goes downhill from there. Temple, Tulsa, Tulane, and then uh, USF Oof. at 264. Oh, yeah. oh. So, yeah. so the Oof. American has Houston at five. And then UCF at 49. We're, we're not talking about a strong no. conference this year from, year from an outside standpoint. And, and when you don't have these out-of-conference games, you can't really elevate yourself uh, because, you're yeah, you're playing these weak teams. You're, you're supposed to win. And God forbid you lose one. I mean, it takes you way down. UCF has one game against a quad one this year. They're 0-1. Uh, that's not, you know, not going to get you mm. into the NCAA tournament. And it's going to have to beat Houston. And that's why Cincinnati. And that's why the the Memphis, I mean, you assuming Memphis figures it out, but that's why the Florida state not playing Florida state hurts because that could have given you another buffer zone. And you mentioned that like the South Florida game is a great example. And this is why I disagree with Jeff. Jeff's all about the numbers and none of this South Florida. UCF's going to play South Florida. It's they split almost every year. That's going to be a disaster according to the numbers because South Florida has a 2-6-2 next to them. It doesn't take to effect that it's a rivalry game. It doesn't take to effect that South Florida gets up for that game. Uh, but that kills your resume. That kills your net rankings. And that's yeah. the problem. And that's why I can't wait to get to the Big 12 because, yes, the Big 12 is a lot stronger than the American. But in the Big 12, you wouldn't, you're not going to have this problem. Thank yeah, let, let, me, let me list real quick the top uh, oh. five in the Big 12. Yep. Baylor at two, Kansas yep. at six, Iowa State at 15, mm. Texas at 21, and Texas Tech at 29. So, yeah, Texas is out, but you had Oklahoma and West Virginia who are at 41 and 45. Boom, you've got over half Throw a dozen Oklahoma teams. Oklahoma out too, by the way. Yeah, uh, you got half a dozen teams that are going to be there when you get there that are in the top 50 in the RPI. I mean, you actually look at the entire Big 12. You know who the lowest ranked team is? Kansas State at 87 <laughs> is the lowest ranked wow. Big yeah. 12 team. That's yeah. a big difference. Wow. That's this a big is a difference. Shit basketball conference. And, and aside from that, UCF's got to really work themselves up to that level, which was a whole different topic for another day. Um, you know, just from a fan standpoint, look what you're looking forward to. I mean, uh, that's a trial by fire every year. It is, but you have more room for error. As a result, whereas you don't in the American, you just read it off, Drew, the numbers. If UCF loses to a South Florida, forget about it. It's over. They're, it, they're in big trouble. That's why there's no room for error, and that's unfortunate. That's why, unfortunately, I think this Florida State game could be the difference between an NCAA tournament team and an NIT team. It could be that significant. Um. All right. So we're going to be, well, obviously, the North Alabama game. Got to win that one. Tune up, ready for Michigan. Um on the 30th. I want to hop over to the women's side real quick too, because big game at Iowa this past Saturday, they come a little bit short of 69, 61. It was a tough game. That's number 14, Iowa homecoming for coach Abe who played at Iowa for, uh, for a period of time. Um, UCF, you know, kind of kept pace with the Hawkeyes there for a little bit. Uh, it was uh, tied at halftime, but uh, I was uh, 20 outscored UCF 25, 12 in the third. Uh, to get the W, uh, Tay Sanders had a nice game. She was 8 of 20 from the field, 20 points, uh, three rebounds. Diamond Battles was only 3 of 11 from the field, but uh, 12 points, uh, three assists, uh, and four steals. Five steals for Alicia Lewis, four of nine shooting. She was she had 10 points on the day, but 
I was a good basketball team when they were playing at home, uh, Eric. But, uh, you know, this is one of those things where I think you had the key number there where UCF is uh, undefeated when they out-rebound. Is it when they out-rebound opponents? UCF is undefeated when they get out-rebounded their own two. Well, so so they're seven. They're they're um they're seven and uh oh when they out rebound their opponent. They're one and two now when they get out. One and two when they get out. Okay, you're right. And the right. win was against Idaho State. So take that for whatever it's worth. Um, that was weird. And they got out rebounded by Iowa, even though Iowa was the smaller team going in. And UCF actually got outscored in the in the points in the paint. In fact, they were held to a season low sixteen points in the paint. Uh. They're eight and zero when they outscore their opponents in the paint. That was the number. They're zero and two when they get outscored on the paint. Monica Sinano, the starting center for Iowa, scored nineteen points. She outscored Masini Kaba and Destiny Thomas combined, nineteen to eleven. You know, Caitlin Clark, who's the the star player for Iowa, she had a strong game. But I thought UCF actually did a good job making her earn what she got from a point standpoint. She didn't shoot the ball well from the field, but they didn't win the battle in the paint. And that's the key. This team has to win the battle in the paint. That's what their identity is. They're not going to outscore you from the perimeter more times than not. So tough loss. Uh, didn't help that Iowa somehow lost to IUPUI this week on a buzzer beater. God, uh, what in the world was that? Holy smokes. They blew an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. So uh, that has to be a little extra frustrating. But the good news for UCF, they've, they're 2-1 and one on this road trip. Uh, they have a win at home against Arkansas. That's their marquee win to this point. Uh, and I think all things are considered are very positive. Tay Sanders, you mentioned 20 points in the game. She's averaged 14 points in her last four games, only averaged eight in her previous six games. She's becoming a consistent scorer alongside Diamond Battle. So UCF quietly now has a one-two punch offensively. That's a big positive as they get into conference play here in the new year. Well, not right, only so that, they... not, not ahead, only that, but uh, you know, they're, they're ranked 36th in the net. And as they're getting in the conference play, well, not, you know, same issue as the men's to a lesser extent about the strength of the league, not quite as uh, bad on the bottom, but I mean, you have a lot of teams in the mid one hundreds UCF does get South Florida twice, who is currently highest ranked team in the conference, which, you know, you sweep that, that goes a long way, but uh, I think the, the women are much better set up than the men. Uh, at being able to to make a chance at attorney at large. Agreed 100%. Yeah, one of those, it goes a long way, by the way. Yeah, you agreed. Know? Agreed. Yeah, exactly. Agreed yeah. 100%. The other thing, by the way, remember, the women's tournament this year has expanded now to 68. It's not 64. And that is significant because, remember, UCF, the, the two times they've been in the tournament under Coach Abe, they've been one of the last four teams in. So a little more breathing room. Uh, for them to get in, although if they're one of the last four in now, they might be in the playing game. But we'll get it. We'll worry about that down the road. But that was, yeah. The key is but, to get uh, in, and then yeah, your destiny is your own. So uh, next game is against Princeton, which is uh, at which is in up in New Jersey on December the 29th, Actually, a week from when we're recording this. Uh, and then, uh, and then, and then it's conference play time. Go ahead, Drew. You said you want to say something. Oh yeah. The, that Princeton game is, is bigger than, than people think. Cause you know, you think it's Princeton. Yeah. Ivy league team. They're seven and three, the ranked 40th in the net. Um, yeah. that, and, yep. and that, that's a, a, a top, you know, that that's a, a quad one game. So that that's an important, important game coming up. Uh, probably the mo- most important one outside of USF at this point, uh, you know, 
for the for the remainder of the year just because of the way the conference you know is shaped up to be at this point and, and so it's, it's gonna get, and it's gonna get a little it's gonna get a little higher too because princeton plays number 12 texas wednesday december 22nd the night we're recording this so and that's at home for them so if they if they show out well in that game if they even if they win that game boy that's gonna be that's gonna set this this game up to be really big for ucf so we'll keep mm-hmm. an eye on coach Abe's team as they move forward all right Let's wrap by going back to the bowl game here real quick. And it's going to be prediction time. So uh, once again, the uh, latest line has UCF as a seven point underdog, according to DraftKings, our, our compatriots at DraftKings on uh, SB Nation over under 55 and a half. Uh, what's the uh, boy? Um, <laughs> you know, it's. The, the consensus seems to be UCF loses, but covers. Um, just looking at this objectively, guys, what do you, you know, it, and Drew, I want to start with you, not just the, not so much the score prediction, but like, what, do, how do you predict the game is going to play out? Well, I, I'm going to go with the assumption that Isaiah Bowser plays and is about as close to hundred percent as he's probably ever going to be this season. Uh, you know, they're going right. to live and die with the running game. Uh, that, that's just what UCF strength is right now. Obviously, that wasn't what it was meant to be, but it's what it turned into. And you're going to run with that. Uh, with Florida's struggle against the run game, yeah, UCF's offense is not going to score quickly, but they're going to move the ball. And, you know, they are they going to finish drives? Not necessarily, but they're going to they're going to at least get close. Uh, and, and I think they're going to at least start getting points on the board, you know, despite the, the kicking struggles of, of Daniel or Bar, uh, uh, from anything more than, than 35 yards out. I, I think he's going to get opportunities closer up and, and you know, UCF's going to keep this close. Uh, I am not sold on, on Florida getting past the losses of a couple of their team leaders. You know, as I said, it's never a good thing when, Two when your defensive backs are leading your team in tackles, and now they're number two, you're basically moving up from two and three to one and two. Uh, so uh, I've taken the under. Uh, I could UCF win absolutely. I, I I think they're probably going to fall just a little bit short because there's going to be a mistake somewhere. Um, when you have these very close margins, you, you can't afford a mistake. Uh, Emory Jones is is playing for his career at this point, so he's he's going to leave no stone unturned on, on just, you know, using probably going to see him try and really make a lot of plays. That that could go either way too. mm -hmm. He might try to do too much. Uh, I always, I always say, you know, you don't want a hero. You don't need a hero. Heroes screw up. Uh, You you want blue collar guys who just get the job done. But Emory Jones really athletic. He's, he's, he's more of an athlete than a quarterback. uh, than a pure quarterback. And UCF has struggled against guys who can tuck the ball and run from as a quarterback. I mean, uh, there it's, it's a long history that Let, let's see, you know, he has almost 700 rushing yards on the season. Uh, that's going to play into his advantage because uh, UCF just doesn't do well against dual threat quarterbacks. I think Florida's still going to hold on, but I am thinking more like a, like a 24 to 21 or 27, 24. We're not looking at a, at a, a shootout by any stretch, but I think UCF is going to keep it close. All right, Eric. Red zone defense turnovers. How both teams do in that will go a long way in this game. I don't think I think you're going to be at a premium in this position. 
I do like the under, even though that's dangerous. Bowl games tend to go over for what, you know, whatever reason. Teams, either defenses just decide to take the bowl game off, whatever. That said, you know, Emory Jones, dual threat quarterback, how UCF handles that's going to be interesting. Could Emory Jones protect the football? Big question. I'm taking UCF to win this game by a touchdown 24-17. Ooh, okay. okay. I, I think the key is, the key number here is going to be which team gets more than one turnover first. All right. It's, you know, we're probably going to see, because it's a bowl game, we're going to see a little bit of sloppiness. I do think and we do see that, right? If you find a prop bet where the combined penalties in this game is like over 10, take it. Cause this will be a lot. Of, it'll be a slop fest. <laughs> I guess well, if, if you could go with third down conversions that it's under 50%, take it. <laughs> well, I, my, my thing is going to be whichever team gets more than one turnover is going to win the game. I, I, I really do. I really do think that it, and uh, especially if it happens early. And I'd say the truth, I really like, I, I think that the star of the game could be UCF's defense once again. I really think that, I, I, you know, everyone's looking, everyone's the, everyone's going to be, have their eyes on Emory Jones and rightfully so. Like we said, he's going to, he's basically auditioning for his next quarterback job, but he could try to do a little bit too much here. Can UCF bait him into, th- into thinking some things are there that aren't? Uh, and get a couple turnovers and then shorten the field for UCF's running game and Mikey Keene. And then can UCF also, when they get the ball, keep floor, uh, keep their defense off the field, maybe control the time of possession a little bit more. It's, it's a big game, for, like you said, Eric, big game for UCF's offensive line. Time to show up against, uh, against a big-time opponent. So I like UCF in a close one. My, really my key player is Tatum Bethune. Um, he's mm-hmm. going to have to play lights out and he's going to have to be able to pursue that, you know, cause Emory Jones going to tuck it and run. You know, he's going yeah. to been doing it all year. Yeah. And, and the key is going to be contained. Yeah. Right? Ever so since big cat, Brian, all those guys on the outside. Yeah. Trey Neal, to- Trey agrees with that. That's what he said to me. Uh, oh, outside containment. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But ever since Bethune came back from his concussion, uh, because he, 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 was very critical on himself saying that he missed a lot of tackles early on and, and needed to work on it. He, since then he's, he's been a man possessed, you know, team leader yeah. in tackles uh, ever since Bryson Armstrong went down and uh, he, he's just been absolutely on fire. I, I think uh, if he can limit, you know, and if, if the containment pu- pushes Jones back inside and he makes those tackles, uh, that's going to make it for a very long, hard day for that Gator offense. Yeah, boy, I tell you what, what a great matchup! Hey, best match, best matchup outside of the New Year's Day bowl games. Don't you guys think? Well, I think it's the best story. Um, you know, these yeah. low and mid, I've always said it since day one. These low and mid tier bowl games, they need a hook. And you know, they you know the Orlando Sentinel reported about how hard uh, Terry Mahajer pushed for this for, to get either Florida or Florida State in this game. I, it just the game it sold itself. If Florida State won, it would have been huge. Florida wins, it would have been huge. The bowl game needed this. They needed a big turnout. Uh, you don't get big turnouts like this for low and mid-tier ball. This is a pre-Christmas yeah. game, which are not viewed favorably. Yeah, you know, anything before Christmas is viewed as a low-tier bowl. But, but you know what? When you actually look at, at how this buzz is built up, this comes off as a near New Year's you know, Eve bowl, as far as the buzz that's generated. Last, last question. What are we looking at in terms of a crowd? Well, they just released a bunch of, a bunch of tickets from organizations that they donated to that didn't take them. 
or they just didn't use them all. So there, there are seats available now. It's no longer classified as a sellout. Um, seats are on, they're cheap. They're like 15 bucks right now in the upper deck. So if you don't have a ticket, you want to go buy now. They're available. Time to jump on one right now. Jump yeah. on up like a few thousand of them, you know, three to 5,000 are released. Uh, there's still stuff buzzing on the secondary market. They're going to, I think eventually they'll all sell. Cause I mean, they got another, uh, 20, you know, 30 hours left before game time, 31 to be more exact. Uh, so, uh, expect, you know, a sellout as far as tickets sold, I would say real attendance is probably 55 to 58 range. There's going to be some unused seats that just don't go claimed or people bought them to sell them and couldn't move them or they overpriced them. Uh, I've seen a lot of people trying to overprice the market and, and try to profit off it and may or may not work. Uh, 60th top end out of the 65,000 seat stadium. Hey, that's close enough to a packed house that it's going to be very sparse to find seats in the middle. It's going to look packed. It's going to sound packed. It's going to feel packed. And uh, outside of the, uh, the this will be the, the, the biggest game since the Peach Bowl. What about the breakdown of Florida fans versus GCF fans? How do you see that going? I originally thought Florida fans would, would be slightly more. I, I'm, I'm backing off on that one. Um, I think it's going to be closer to 60-40 UCF. Um, now, a lot of Florida fans did buy tickets, especially ones who don't get opportunities to go to games in Gainesville. Uh, mm. You know, yeah, there are six and six. But, hey, remember. There are lots of Florida grads in Tampa, too. Well, not only that, but it's a generational thing. You know, generational teams, you know, that have had football for a long time. You build up this huge fan base. You know how hard it is to get tickets to go to a regular season game in Gainesville? It's not easy. I mean, uh, you know, it's, and it's not cheap. Uh, this is actually a very affordable way to go see your team. So uh, a lot of Gator fans out there, you know, as UCF's working on building up that fan base over time, let's be honest, this is still Florida you know, is, the, is the primary school, and it's going to be for a while. Even, even yeah. if their plan in the field doesn't reflect that, it's a generational thing. It takes a long time to build this up. So there's a lot of fans out on the west coast of Florida. I mean, I, I live down in the Sarasota-Brainton area, and, and there are Gator fans everywhere. In fact, one of my friends who went to Florida Atlantic but is a diehard Gator fan and season ticket holder called me and go, hey, you want to go to the game? Before I tell him, no, I'm working at the game. There you go. You big time guy. Yeah. I like it. You big wow. time. I like that. You should have told them, listen, I'm a star on, on a docu series. Our time. I don't need. I don't need your ticket. I can. Get and my it. name is Eric Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I'll ask you. TV ratings for this game Thursday night primetime, seven p.m. What do you think? It's going up against nfl that's the bad news you're going up against the yes. titans and the niners so they're gonna get crushed by the but, nfl but that, well yeah they're gonna kind of it's it's not a it's not a divisional matchup it's it's not, the nfl it's, it's weird man. i know it's the nfl but it's it's not like it's not like it's, it's not like bucks bills right people watch nfl man that's all we know how to do i mean they're gonna that game will draw about seven to ten million i think the college uh, the ucf game a lot of it depends on if it's a competitive game or not. I think you're looking at a 1.2 to 1.8 million. I think it'll draw big in Orlando. In fact, that's one of the things I'll be working on in the next week or two. I was two. going to say, what, what do you think the local markets will do? I think it has a chance Orlando to be the most. Gonna, I think it'll be the huge in Orlando. It should be the most watched non-New Year's Six bowl game uh, ever in Orlando for UC, a UCF bowl game. 
and I'll be curious if it draws closer to a New Year's Six bowl game locally. Like locally, the the Baylor game's the most watched UCF game ever in Orlando. I think some people might be surprised by that. Some might say, "Well, wait, wait a minute, the Peach Bowl." No, the Baylor game. Because more fans well, were there. Correct. They were, in, were in Atlanta. They weren't. They were home. Uh, Correct. Uh, against uh, when they played against Baylor. And that game drew locally about a 14 rating. I don't think it'll get to the, this point in that game, but this will draw a big number locally. Should do well statewide. Nationally, I think it's going to be trickier because, again, I think there's a cap because the NFL, I think, obviously rules television. Uh, and if you go up against the NFL, you will get destroyed. Well, not only that, but, you know, we look at it from the, from the story standpoint, story really matters only to Florida. Once you get out of the state, yeah. no one cares. Uh, Birmingham they, cares. Birmingham. Well, Birmingham is an exception to every college football rule out there because it is the center of college football, and we don't know why. It just is. We've right. accepted no, this no, as but, reality. No, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the capital of the South in college football. That's what it is. You're and, right. And you right. can't explain it, but you just accept it. It just is. But you know, outside of maybe a couple little pockets here and there, for the most part, I mean, this is just another pre-Christmas bowl game to them. But it's because it's so big in the state of Florida that it's mm-hmm. going to make up for that and give you ratings that would rival a, a game on December 28th, December 30th, and maybe even the 31st. Boy, I'm excited for this. All right, so what's what's our plan afterwards? We're going to have night shift afterwards, right? That's the plan. I'll be on, yeah. We'll uh, break it down right. and take questions, comments. It'll be uh, – who knows what the temperature will be for that. Obviously, the game will dictate a lot of that. But, uh, yeah, we'll have that. And I know Drew of special knee-jerk reactions from the Raymond James. I better see – I better read the, uh, a breakdown of the spread, media spread in that. <laughs> no, well, I, I, no I, I forbid that. No I, one cares. I was going to say, I don't write about that. Um, we can talk about it later. But, no, that, that's not – that's not something that no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that as, out there. <laughs> this, this is where, this is where I'm going to Bigfoot. This as the managing editor of this site. No one cares Ooh. what we think about the media spread. Okay. Not only, not only that, but that, it's kind of like an unwritten rule, man. You don't, you don't, you don't do that. No, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I okay? care. I'm not, I care. I care about Drew's well being. I want to make sure he's taken care of uh, and, and, and is fed. Drew's a and big him and boy. Kyle. He can take like care I say, of himself. I, I can stand okay? to drop a couple pounds. I'm not obese by any stretch of the imagination, but man, I can stand to lose a little Listen, bit of weight. <laughs> Drew and Kyle and Noah's going to be shooting photos at the game. They're big boys. They can handle themselves. Okay. Let's, I mean, they, I mean, they're Kyle's fun. the biggest one of us all. I mean, uh, <laughs> What's Kyle's an actual former offensive lineman too. I'm not saying you weren't, but like, well, I stopped growing. He did. <laughs> yeah. So he's six three. I'm five or six two. Whatever was somewhere around there. I'm five nine. Right. <laughs> I stopped growing. Anyway, we got lots of stuff on the site. Make sure you take a look at it uh, to preview for the game coming up. We'll have our uh, uh, predictions and previews as well. We will have, uh, and, and we'll be following the game. UCF Banneret underscore SBN, SBN on Twitter. UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter is who you want to follow for the latest from the Gasparo Bowl, both leading up to and during the game. Drew is at Stat Boy. Drew, Eric is at Eric Lopez. Elo, I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Make sure you follow also uh, Kyle Nash at the SOTG for student of the game, the SOTG. And of course, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. And on Instagram as well, we will post some photos up there, black and gold banneret on Instagram uh, as well. And of course, uh, make sure you also follow Bryson Turner for all the latest around the world of UCF sports. It's Bryson Turner on Twitter 
as well. Night shift following the game. And after that, folks, we are putting a lid on it for the holiday. So we wanted to tell everyone, whatever holiday you celebrate, may it be a joyous and safe and happy one uh, on behalf or of all Or if you're in my here, case, like, you already celebrated it. Or you already did. Well, we got New Year's Day coming up too. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you already did celebrate it. See, 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 my wife is Jewish. I was raised Catholic. So we, so we, we did Hanukkah. We're going to do Christmas. We always do that. So yeah, I, I so like you're opening the door to my, to my off color joke about uh, uh, my wife is nope, half Jewish, nope, half Catholic. Nope, 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 She's nope, little nope, with nope. guilt and shame. Oh God, please. You, you couldn't, you can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. Yeah. All right. Well, for, for all us here at Black and Gold Marriott, including Eric and Drew, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the game. We will see you on night shift following the game on Thursday night. UCF against Florida, 7 p.m. kick. We will see you then. Enjoy the game, folks. Happy holidays.